American rock band from Florida, Shinedown, is making their way to Houston this fall. Check out Shinedown, Papa Roach, and Spirit Box at Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion Sunday, October 8th. Caller number 6 right now to 713-780-3776 wins a pair of tickets to see the show. Get your tickets now at LiveNation.com to see Shinedown, Papa Roach, and Spirit Box. Good, bad, and ugly from the Astros series victory. First series victory at home, it seems like ages. Feels like the first time they've won at home uh, this year. There's been... Mediocre at home, 500 record basically at home, but you take two or three, you win the final two games of the series. Uh, A nice weekend for the Houston Astros. You got some help from the Tampa Bay Rays, and now you lead the AL West with two and a half games, by two and a half games, with just 18 games left to play. Really, really good spot to be in right now. You still can't take your foot off the gas pedal, but you really like more and more with everything that you see of this offense. And when you see a lineup like they can put out there yesterday, and you look at where's the hole, I mean, Number nine might be the only weakness, but Maldi's been hitting. But when you see the ability for Dusty, even when he's going to Dusty, you you know that there's less and less chance, no matter how much he tinkers, that he can screw it up because he's got depth everywhere. He's got you know you can play Brantley one day and left, and and you can DH Jordan the next day. Diaz is DHing or Diaz is playing somewhere, or Diaz is catching, and you've got options across the field. It's real, and, and Chaz, no matter what you say, good, bad, or different, or what's happening or not, if Chaz is your eight-hole hitter, and Chaz is still getting two hits a game, and Chaz is chazzing, this team's a freaking really good juggernaut offensively that I think is the best offensive lineup top to bottom in baseball when it's healthy, and I love seeing it. Yeah, the uh, the offense has been really good. That was one of my – that's my good, really, yep, is the – uh, not the offense, it's the batter's oh. eye. The batter's eye had a great weekend. The batter's eye was fantastic yesterday. It was fantastic Saturday. They scored seven runs on Saturday. You scored 12 one runs yesterday. The best weekend that was had was the batter's eye. Well, the you know, batter's eye is back at Minute Maid Park. What a weekend for the batter's eye. You know, they, they de-weeded it on Saturday morning because Friday night – there were some dandelions, the fuzzy white ones that could be misconstrued by the like a baseball. They didn't get those out Friday night. So Friday night it was a little more of a problem, but Saturday and Sunday was good. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Saturday, Sunday's the weekend. It was a good weekend for the batter's eye. Really good weekend for the batter's eye. The lineup on Saturday, too, this is what everybody's been waiting for, was that lineup on Saturday, the death lineup, and then it produced. Like, it's one thing to, to I'm sorry, insert the, the death lineup, lineup I was in. talking about. Saturday, yeah, yeah, yeah. Saturday, Saturday, not Sunday. But you insert the death lineup, and it's like, okay, that's great. Everybody loves it. But then you need it to produce. And the Astros did. Seven runs, 11 hits on Saturday. The death lineup that had Tuve, Pena, Yordan, Bregman, Tucker, Abreu, Brantley, Dubon, that's not the death lineup. Oh. Death lineup was yesterday, I guess. It was the one with Chad and center batting eighth. Or Chad in the outfield. It was yesterday. Eighth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the death lineup produced 12 runs, rather. Yeah. The death lineup produced 12 runs yesterday. It was Altuve, Pena, Yordan, Bregman, Tucker, Abreu, Brantley, Chaz, and Yiner. So good. 789 was Brantley, Chaz, and Yiner. That's terrifying for opposing pitchers. Terrifying. The, we said numbers wise with the injuries, it's never going to show up for a, a season long. This is a great offense. But when healthy down the stretch and going into the playoffs, it's the best offensive lineup top to bottom. That lineup yesterday is the best offensive lineup in baseball top to bottom. And if that's a playoff team and you're a pitching staff, you don't want any. You don't want it, and you don't want anyone get anywhere near it because it can hurt you any – if the left one don't get you, the right one will. And top to bottom, that is as solid as it gets. Yeah, it was uh, nice to see that. Some more goods from the Astros weekend. 713-780-3776. What do you all have? Uh, what other goods do you have from the Astros weekend series? I mean, J.P. France gives up, gives up one run in six innings. I mean, if you're gonna, the five walks bothered me a little bit, but J.P. France did his job again. And that's all we continue to say is quality start, did his job. 
got things done. With all the instability in the, in the starting pitching, when you can get a, a, a performance like that, almost seemingly whenever you need them, that's something that you have to, to appreciate and say, that was really good again. I thought Franch was solid. I thought he was shaky early. Like, you walk five and six innings. That's five not, is a problem. That's not good. That's not great. Uh, he was able to escape some trouble early. Like, he got out of the bases, loaded one out jam. That, that was nice to see. He had a you know, double play or two, which was nice to see. At the end of the day, you put up six innings and give up just one run. It's good. There were some signs of shakiness that I saw from France, especially early, uh, that I wasn't really all that comfortable with. Like, that could get out of hand. You get a ball on the gap, all of a sudden you get a three spot, you know, in the early innings there for San Diego. So that, that's nitpicky of me because France got out of it. You know, France did his job. That's fantastic. It's what you want to see. Um, and look, I think J.P. French is your number three starter right yep. now if you played the playoffs tomorrow, right? Like, there's no doubt about it. Fromber, JV, whatever order, J.P.'s my number three. He's ahead of Brown. He's ahead of Javier for me. Uh, yeah, look, again, over. I said when Javier had a good start, I needed to see one or two more. And we that hasn't happened yet. So, And I don't know if it will. But the consistency matters. And, and the, over the space of time, we know that he had – you know, he threw up all over himself a, a couple starts ago. But other than that, he has been consistent. And when you know you got two horses at the, the front of your rotation, you just need to find guys, especially if the offense is, is putting up numbers like this, you just need someone that can consistently keep you in ball games and letting the offense do what, what it does and not setting yourself up for a, a disaster because you're already digging a three-run, four-run hole and then expecting that the offense can dig you out. I think he does his job. I think he's your three-starter right now, and I think that you just hope that he continues on this. You're right. He's had a couple of the, the five walks really bothered me where you may, you feel a little uneasy, but at the end of the day, as long as he gets the result, it's kind of like Abreu when you and I had those conversations. Abreu scared the hell out of me forever with the, the fact that he would put guys on base and self-inflict wounds, but if he got out of it and there's no damage done, then he did his job. Yeah, I mean, all's well that ends well. Uh, just It's more like projection going forward like get the command figured out there a little bit 8064 is uh, nitpicking you there's no way the Astros lineup is better than the Braves top to bottom uh, the Braves seven eight nine batters could be batting three four five for just about any other team right okay but what I said was down the stretch here on going forward and show me the Braves putting up those kind of numbers consistently like you saw from the Rangers series and then two out of three games against the Padres series and you see a team that's pummeling the baseball right now and putting really really big numbers on the board so Yes, over the, the entire season, the Braves, no doubt about it. You know, the Rangers were there for a good portion of the season as well. But I'm saying right now, win healthy going forward, nobody wants to see that lineup, with D, especially if, if Diaz is your catcher. Yeah, I still put the Braves ahead of the Astros. I'll go best in the American League because the, the, the Astros' offense is pretty is dangerous. I think they're the second most, uh, the team that has scored the second most runs since the All-Star break behind only... Uh, the Atlanta Braves, which is cool to see. Uh, Hector Neris, he's on my good as well. He inherited a bases-loaded one-out situation on Saturday up by just two runs. Got out of it. Got out of it. No big deal. A little Houdini act by Hector Neris. kind Neris. of another one that you talk, when, you, when we were talking about that just now. He, he sometimes, whether he inherits it or sometimes he does it to himself, but he's, he, he finds a way to get out of it. He, he's the, the magic man, and, and he finds a way to come out unscathed. And, and I love – I have – Total confidence when he comes into a ball game. Free agent at the end of the year. That's one you got to hang on to, I think. And I think he likes it here. Yeah, it depends on the price, though, right? Yeah. Like, are you giving him a – I'm sure he wants a Rafael Montero oh, contract. I was just thinking the same thing. He's that, sure he wants a Rafael Montero contract. That's his starting point. But when you already have a Rafael Montero contract, that could be a problem. 
Yeah, Montero's been good though. Montero's been really good. Like what last two five outings. Um, like going forward, if you had to pick what you get, one or the other, you get Naris or or you get Montero. In me, it's a no brainer. I take Naris ten times out of ten. Depends on what you're looking for. Like Montero's going to get more swing and miss. Montero's going to get more strikeout. Like you need a double play, give me Naris. Uh, escaping a second and third one out situation. It seems like Naris has been kind of doing the job there, I even though Naris Montero's more of a strikeout guy. Uh, yeah, I mean he throws that splitty. I mean yeah. he's got some. He's got. He's more of a junk guy than he is like super well, heater. Like Montero throws harder. Was that why you said he, you know Montero's going to get more strikeouts? I think yeah, he's going to he get will. more strikeouts just throwing ninety five plus. But I think that just the art of pitching and getting guys off balance or, or you know thinking one thing and him throwing another and being able to throw it for strikes. I like the the repertoire of Naris. That's why I would go with him. No, I, I like Naris too, but. Montero is more of a swing and miss pitcher, um, and he's been really good. Now it depends on Naris's contract. Like I would like Naris back as well. I get the feeling he does like Houston too. Like he seems to be loved in the clubhouse. Seems to like everybody. But he's definitely opting out of his contract, and he's definitely going to be looking for a multi-year deal. Eight too much? Um, I think eight would be too light for him. I don't think. I think he's going to want more than eight. I, I mean, think it's going to take ten million dollars. But I'm saying from the Astros' perspective, can you go over eight? Why, why wouldn't you? I'm just trying to think because you got Graveman coming back no matter what. I don't think it's necessarily the yearly salary. I think it's I think Naris so, is going to want ten years, three years, or ten million, three years. I think the Astros, because of the Montero deal and because they have Graveman be like that, they, another yeah. Multi. I mean, why if you're Hector Naris and you saw Montero, I think that ten million is a million and a half less than Montero. Like if you saw, if you're Naris and you saw that, you're Naris and you're probably thinking you're better than Rafael Montero. Sure. You're going to be looking for at least thirty million for three years, right? Yeah. Like at least, I, I'm, and I, I don't think that the Astros will pay Hector Neris thirty million for three years. So unless Neris budges off of that line, which look, maybe he does. Maybe the Astros like go to the open market. Let's see what the what other teams are offering you. And when they realize that no other teams giving away Rafael Montero contracts for middle relievers, maybe Neris comes back and signs for a little bit less or not as long of a deal. But I think Neris's agents from the get-go, from the start, are going to be asking for Montero they got three money. three free agents in the back? They got, they got, uh, yeah, they have Neris, Stanek, and, and, uh, and Maton. Maton. See, yep. to me, uh, to me, I, I, I would want Stanek back and I would want Neris back. Um, I could live without Stanek, quite honestly. It, it's between Stanek and Maton for me, obviously, but uh, to me, I think the, they'll let, I think they'll let both of them go. I think they'll let Stanek, Maton go. I think eventually they get Neris done, but I think it, I think it's going to take a while. I don't think they're going to sign Neris early like they did Montero because the he's a real deal, general manager now. The Graveman deal sealed the, the fate of the other two. Probably. And maybe even Neris. I hope not. Maybe even Neris. I Joe, really like Neris. Any goods from the Astros uh, weekend series? I love baseball and like the, just these random things can happen that are so historic. Kyle Tucker become the 11th player to have two triples in one inning. It's awesome. That was really funny. Like, it's just like such a great thing. Like, only in baseball can you do something that is so obscure that you're like the 11th person to ever accomplish this in the world. Think about that when we talked about the, the first ever 9-1 combination in a lineup to go back-to-back twice in a game in the history of the game. Uh, Doobie and, and Altuve. Who would have ever thought that it would take that long for two guys to do that in those positions in the order? Yeah, the Astros just do so many things. Like, and it's just it is just baseball. But there's so much talent on this team over the years. Like, they have all these random, you know, records. Like, like the one that happened last year, uh, two immaculate innings in one game. Like, it had never happened before. And it was the same three batters that, like, when it happened. So, like, they just. I, it's why baseball is such a cool sport in so many ways. But Kyle Tucker continues to just be absolutely incredible. I think he's at what twenty six and twenty eight for. 26 homers, 28 stolen bases, and he had two stolen bases yesterday. He had the catch yesterday, too, right? Yeah, like he's just – he's playing – 
I think he's going to win MVP this year. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> Why not? Because Shohei Otani's going to win MVP too much. this year. Otani did too much before he got hurt. You don't think – is he shut down yet? We shut down pitching, and then he's been dealing with some – they've been kind of sitting him for the for so the oblique or whatever. The answer is no. So if he if he stops playing the last, like, three weeks of the season, there's no chance that Tucker passes him? Uh, nope. Just, I don't think so either because nope. of the vote and the process. It's just like – it's just – that's where I hate the the award itself because if you talk about the most valuable player, like Kyle Tucker is disagree. Way, like disagree. That's his, carried, that's his boy, he's but he carried this team. But, but show, so if Shohei Otani was on this team, he wouldn't. No, he would. Yeah, Shohei Otani is sure. more valuable than Kyle no, Tucker. He is. As he's a better player, so he's the most valuable player. But Shohei Otani's stats actually go up with a better team. So does it take teams wins I for a player it, to be valuable? I think it. I think it should matter because I understand the argument. It's an age old argument, right? But if they didn't have Shohei Otani, they win fifty games. I know. <laughs> like, I know. It's also the, when you start talking about putting him on a, a on a different team. Well, then there's better defense, and, and so there's probably better run support, and, and there's chances all of his stats across the board, both pitching and hitting, go way up. For sure. Dana says you've made the list twice in less than a minute, Joe. George. I live. We should just change the name. The uh, the Joe's one thing take, that I'll hard. say about like the Astros doing historic things. You know who does historic things? Historic teams. Like we're living through historic times yeah. with the Houston Astros. Seven one three seven eight zero ESP and HRP listener line. You can send in some Astros goods. Also the the bad and the ugly when we return. Killer bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. You need to get out to TDECU Stadium on Saturday. Football season is here in the U of H Big 12 home openers right around the corner. The Cougs look to rebound, hosting last year's national championship runner-up, the TCU Horn Frogs, this Saturday. Let's fill up TDECU, get TDECU Stadium, get that electric atmosphere that we had in the season opener. Buy a Cougar Paw package. It includes three games. You can select TCU as one of those games. Package is only $66. Does not include Texas. Get your tickets today, 713-GO-COUGS, or head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets. Come early. Enjoy all the new activities in Cougar Alley in front of TDECU Stadium, including the huge LED TV screen, the Bud Light Backyard, the Cook, the, uh, the Coke Fan Zone, food trucks, and more. Spirit of Houston will be performing at halftime. The entertainment by cheerleaders Cougar Dolls, Shasta and Sasha, and DJ Yobi Yobes in the student section. Get your tickets now. 713-GO-COUGS, uhcougars.com slash tickets, and watch the Cougars open up the Big 12 conference schedule against TCU. Don't miss all the fun and pageantry of college football. Come early, be loud, and wear red. All right, can't, can't ignore in victory what we would in defeat. 713-780-ESPN. 1509 makes a good point. Hector Neris wants to negotiate with Baggy, hands down. Oh, God, yes. I wonder if the hands down part was a, uh, a pun or a reference. If so, well played. I don't think it was, though. I don't think, yeah. I don't think that it was. Inadvertent creativity. Hector Neris is probably rooting that uh, they don't sign David Stearns because they signed David Stearns and Dana Brown. He's not going to get a Rafael Montero contract. No, those days will be few and far between, and they will find the next young star coming up or star in the making that they can lock up. See, I think that they're ultimately ultimately going to sign Hector Neris. But I think I it becomes so. late in free agency. Like, remember the Rafael Montero thing happened very early sure in free agency, and then the rest of it, like, it basically held up the relievers market until late in the offseason because all the other owners are like, we're not going to pay Matt Moore. We're not going to pay all of these middle relievers that type of money. The AAV was similar. It was the length of the contract. So I bet you Hector Neris asked for it up front, realizes that 
no one's going to give it to him. And then Nara signs for like a bigger AAV for like one or two years, probably two, um, late that, in free agency. I think that was all Crane, too, because Crane, he wants everybody to believe he's a baseball mind, too. And without a general manager in place, and because he knew that Montero was a fan favorite, I think the fact that he was came, he? yeah, because they loved the whole bullpen. It wasn't that he was singled out as like a closer or anything, but I think that look, they're having the best bullpen in the in the in, in baseball, and I think that everybody looked at that as a massive strength of this team, and I think that he felt like, hey, look, we can we can appease the fan base and look like we're 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 not afraid to shy and we're not going to shy away from contracts. We're going to go and make sure that this bullpen stays intact exactly like it was a year ago, and that was his big first move. I don't know if Montero was a fan favorite, though. Like I, I, the bullpen as a whole was what made fans happy, and so for him to be able to say, I'm bringing them all back, I think meant something. And a lot of people didn't like that contract. They thought it was too oh, big. Oh, the contract was Whereas, like Jose, it. Everybody loved the Jose Abreu contract because he was like a very popular player. Like I, I think a lot of people expected Montero to leave, uh, quite honestly. I, you and I did. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I give him. But I, favor I, on that. but I think Crane was thinking, look, we don't have a general manager, but if we go and keep the bullpen intact and lock him back up, that people will be happy. And then you saw the numbers in the years and went, what the hell are they doing? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like ultimately, we don't know who signed that deal. We know that there was like the front office parliament with Jeff Bagwell and Enos Cabell and Reggie Jackson and Crane. Blah 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 blah. What? What was the the numbers guy? Uh, Bob Furcus. Furcus. Yep. He's still around. Yeah, but I mean, he was in, he was somewhat in that mix. I don't know. They probably kept the numbers guy out of the room because the well, numbers guy wouldn't have signed yeah, off on he that. Didn't, he didn't approve the dollars that make sense. That's for sure. Yeah, I think the numbers guy might have been out of the room. All right, a few Astros bad. Can't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. Or some of the bads from the Astros weekend series win against the San Diego Padres? Hunter Brown, to me, mm-hmm. I, I keep expecting this kid to kind of snap out of it and show what everybody thought was, you know, a, 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 the a kid that's going to be a future Cy Young Award winner, a kid that was going to pick up where you lost some of the guys you lost at the start of your rotation uh, to start the season, and this was a guy that was going to be one of the can't-miss-count-on guys in your rotation. And right now, you got a problem because as well as J.P. France has done all year, you expected one or the other, if not both, of Javier and Hunter Brown to be guys that were going to be guys you leaned on going into the, the playoffs in this final couple weeks of the season. And right now, you've got a little bit of a pit in your stomach when each guy pitches because you don't know what you're going to get. You, yeah, I think both of them were on my bad list, so you can kind of lump them together because they were both awful in yep. their starts. Uh, Hunter Brown gives up six runs over four and a third. Um, another poor start for Hunter Brown, who really hasn't given you a good start in a, quite a while. Like Detroit, maybe, but it's Detroit. Gave up two runs and five hits. And then Javier... Couldn't get out of the, couldn't make it to the fifth inning. Four runs, four hits, four innings. Uh, so you can't really count on Christian Javier and Hunter Brown right now. And you're you're right; it does pose a problem for the Astros as you start to forecast a little bit postseason baseball. If you're lucky enough to get in the postseason, now look, the Astros lead the division right now by two and a half games with 18 games left to play. I think it's fair to start thinking about divisional series for the Houston Astros. You have a divisional series, it means you're going to need a four-man rotation. You're going to need four guys. Unless you're trying to bring Fromber Valdez or Justin Verlander on short rest in a game four, you're going to need four guys. I don't think the Astros would do that. I think they're going to need four guys. So after Fromber and JV are your clear-cut, unanimous, number one, number two guys. I'm not sure that Jonathan Patrick France is your clear-cut number three. He would be for us. Uh, He'd be the clear-cut number three. He'd get a start over Javier and over Hunter Brown for me. 
after that, you do have a dilemma. Like, you're in a bind. Like, you're going to have to be pretty creative on how you want to attack your number four starter with Hunter Brown, Christian Javier, assuming that Jonathan Patrick France is one of those four guys right. because they're well, making it difficult for Dusty because they're not, they're not pitching their way into that playoff rotation. If I'm picking up what you're putting down, because I think we're both thinking the same way, and it was, a, it was kind of a carryover from last week, too. Dusty, the reason why JP isn't a clear-cut three is because Dusty still wants Javier to be his three. Dusty, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's very clear that he wants Javier to be his yeah. three. That scares the hell out of me. Because, again, I said after coming off the good start against the Yankees with the hiccup late, I felt like he had to show me another one. He obviously hasn't done that yet. Yes, there's still time, but time is running out. And you would like to have had him piggyback two or three in a row to where you can get, okay, I can exhale now. Now I feel like I know I got another guy that can get, get it done. I just think you're, you're, you're coin flipping right now. You've got, you got too many question marks that you didn't expect to have, no matter how many injuries you've endured, at, at the, 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 the four spot in your rotation. And as it relates to three and four, you're right. I'm the same way. I know that, that right now J.P. France is my three, but I don't feel like he's on top of his game like he was earlier in the season. No. Yeah, he's it'd be pitched better when he first came up than he right. has. He's been a little shaky lately, but still uh, he's been better than Hunter Brown, still been better than Christian Javier. Eight six nine three, Hunter has elite stuff. I truly don't understand why his performances are so bad. I don't really either. Like it's kind of timeliness. Like he he will issue a walk at a bad time. He'll give up some like bleeder at the wrong time. Like he's I think he's been pretty unlucky. Like the Babbitt stats will actually tell you that he has been as well, but it's it's happening every single start. So, I think there's a I think there's the fact that he's been a little unlucky. I think it's the fact that he's lost a little bit of command versus early oh. in the year. And the command also has been an issue with him in terms of like command in the zone. So, because, my control thing is that's my biggest thing with him. Yeah, but he's actually like early in the year was actually like a huge strike thrower. Like he was living in the strike zone too much. And I think because he was living in the strike zone too much, he was getting hit hard. Whereas these guys are really good. You got to be hitting your spot. So his command was like command in the zone versus command out of the zone. He's had issues with walks, but my big thing is that whether he walks a guy or not, that I think as he gets, he gets behind and counts and, and he still tries to throw pitches that he doesn't have command of. So whether he misses the zone completely or he puts him in an inopportune spot for a hitter, I just feel like it's part of the act of pitching. I believe the arm is there. I believe that the you know the repertoire is there. But I believe in the art of pitching. To your point, you can't tinker and you can't you know try to nickel and dime the corners. Well, actually, I think when, he needs to. Like, I, not when you're down in the count. Not when you're not you're down three three oh, three one in a count. It's been the difference of the first half and the second half. Because first half he didn't have trouble with walks. Second half he's had trouble with walks. And whenever you look at his performances, it's like, okay, early in the year, fastball, middle, middle, two-run, tank. Now it's like, okay, nibble, 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 first and second, ball in the gap. Like, it's 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 been weird with Hunter Brown because he does have electric stuff. I think the command has been an issue, whether it's out of the zone, whether it's in the zone. I think he's having trouble painting. And I also think that there's a bit of this is the most he's ever pitched in a season before in his life. I think that does take a toll, and I think we're seeing that toll play out yeah, with Hunter Brown. I, I think that... Yeah, you're right. I, I think that's something that I didn't factor in, and, and that's probably just like when we were talking about Luis Garcia a year ago. When you talk about a guy that's pitching more innings than he ever has in his entire baseball career, whether he was paid for it or not, that's a concern. And, and sometimes the wear and tear is a holdover, and, and it keeps going. Once you get it, it's tough to say, well, you, you miss your spot in the rotation once. You can get it back. No, because you've never been there and done that before. So I think there's a lot of elements, and I think that's a good one that factors in as well. I just think that, to me, 
the stuff is too good to be nibbling to where he, I don't think he's there yet in terms of how much he nibbles on uh, on the edges when he's he's down in counts. You have a bad one, Joe George. I was just gonna say the starting pitching collectively as a whole. I mean, even JP France, like while he got out of it, it I I think it's hard to even be like you know your top three. I, I just don't think you do. I mean, I think you, we do. I don't think Dusty does. Well, are you with us that JP is your three? I mean, I am, but I, I don't feel good. It's like that's like. But, but do you feel bad? I don't feel bad. I think I when he plays th- a good baseball team, that when he walks those guys, he's going to get shellacked. Yeah, like, that's where the fire. Like, that's, that's that's where I'm at right now. Like, yeah, it's fine in the regular season. It's fine when his next start against the Royals probably this weekend happens. I'm not worried. The Padres, one of those underachieving teams in baseball. But, like, you walk three guys, and Natalie Rushman's coming to the plate, and you're playing the Orioles and the ALCS. I don't feel good. Now, the, now walks are not usually his thing. No, they're Usually not. he has tremendous command. But now, I feel like that the walks... start specifically, I, I don't love the walks. Yeah, either. and so, like, I mean, just Javier and, and Hunter Brown, like, they're, they're a problem. I mean, it is – there's really no other way to put it. This team is good enough offensively and the bullpen to win a World Series, and I have, like, major doubts, like – Nothing this weekend really changed and my mind about that. it scares you except for the fact that you've gotten some extra help in the bullpen, but you're probably going to have to piecemeal games together because of the fact that you, we all have those concerns. I mean, I have a feeling. You're gonna, it's, not a, it's not a, what do you call it, a starter, I mean, um, uh, an opener, but you're going to have to piecemeal, piecework some things together in the playoffs, I'm afraid, when you're not having JV or Fromber start. I kind of lean opener right now. I don't think that Dusty will ever use an opener in his I don't life. think so. I, I think you're right. And it also depends on the matchups. Like, you don't know who you're facing yet to do the whole opener thing. Like, if you, and the other thing is, like, you don't have, like, a lefty. Like, Javier and Hunter Brown are both righties. You look at the bullpen, there's not a lefty you're going to use. So, usually when you go opener, you're trying to, like, take advantage of, like, the top of the lineup that's not very good against a specific handedness, or you're trying to get your, like, follower, brunt guy, or a uh, yeah, brunt guy. Uh, that that follows the opener to be the guy that like goes deeper into the games by like buying that first inning. The Astros really aren't with who they have on this pitching staff. They're really not in a situation to use opener. No, and I didn't mean legitimately an opener. I just meant like you're going to. Well, use Joe your, did. You're going to you're going to lose your you're going to lose by using your bullpen maybe too much. You're going to hope that you know you get a guy that gives you a couple innings to start a game and your offense puts a crooked number on the board and then you can kind of. You, you can patch it together from there. They're definitely going to be patching it. Like, there's no doubt they're going to be patching it together. Late and maybe an Urquidy can pick up three, three, four innings and be an innings eater if he's got a lead. 713-780-3776, the HRMP listener line. It is also time for our Mailbag Monday. You can ask the Killer Bees whatever you want. Call, text, tweet, twitch, 713-780-3776. Ask the Killer Bees whatever you want on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, right now I want to tell you about the good people at my bookie. Look, we give you advice whether you take it or not, and sometimes you probably shouldn't. But football season is the best time of the year because with college football and pro football going on, you know that for the next six to eight months you're going to be in absolute heaven watching football almost every night of the week at all hours of the day and night. And you want to make even some of those uninteresting games when football is on, but you don't know enough about the teams or have enough interest in them. You want to make them more interesting. Well, there's only one way to do that, and that is easily enough where I always tell you to go, mybookie.ag. I tell you to go to mybookie.ag because they take care of their customers every step of the way. Here's a couple of examples. If you've never been to mybookie.ag before and you weren't even aware that, hey, you can put money on a game right there online by signing up. When you do that, because they take care of their customers, if you use the promo code that we always give you and that I believe in, bet975, 
then you're going to get extra money in your account. You put at least $50 in, you're going to get a little extra added bonus as an initial sign-up bonus, and you're going to love it even more because now with more money in your account, there's more games you can bet on and more chances to win. If you've already been with MyBookie.ag, thank you very much. We love the fact that you have been with MyBookie.ag. They've been in business for over a decade, which means they believe in taking care of their customers, so they're going to take care of you. You come back, put more money in your account, it's a reload bonus, they'll give you a bonus too. They take care of you so that you're happy. And if you don't want to bet on football, there's also all everything else from UFC, soccer, you name it, they probably got it. And when there's no games going on, we'll keep the casino open for you. That means live dealers and casino games too. Check them out today. MyBookie.ag, use that promo code I always tell you about. It's Bet975 because, as I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it, MyBookie.ag. You've got mail. It's Mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees. Something's in the bag. Mommy? Mommy? What's in the bag? Oh, what's in the box? Killer Bees, Mailbag Monday. You can ask us whatever you want to ask. 713-780-ESPN. Would you rather have a sack of game or Marvin Harrison Jr.? Take a sack of game. That's Will Anderson. Well, I, know, I know exactly. Current what you're doing. pace, yeah. current pace. Somebody asked that, but if you, let's see how it plays out. Because there's let's other. Like, Joe's on the T Higgins trade. Uh, I mean, uh, train, but uh, zero I, catches. Yeah, but I, well, they, they played with zero effort in a lot of ways. Or I, I just think there's other receivers you can get. But if you get a guy that's a defensive dominator, like he could be with a sack of game, then you don't miss on that. Yeah, if I mean if he's if he's a sack a game, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Next year's draft, that's a huge win. Like they would have gotten it right if Will Anderson puts up 17 sacks this year. No one's going to say a darn thing about that trade. No one's going to say a darn thing about that trade. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Eric the driver. Who in the starting rotation has the single best pitch? Example from Umber's curve, Francis change, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I I think Fromber's curve is. It, He's got so much movement on all of his pitches now. But I say when it's right, Fromber's curve and the, the ability to place it just about anywhere, it's hard for me to argue with that. I'll go Fromber. I'll go with his little like fastball sinker two-seamer combo. Yeah, yeah it's, it's got, so that's what I'm saying. Everything nasty. moves right now. Like hit, whenever he gets that fastball, it's like 95 cu- cutting in on the hands of a lefty, sometimes with some sink. Like that's nasty. Like that's I I can't like I like Francis Change is good. I think Hunter Brown has a good curveball. His heater is not bad. Verlander's lost a little bit on his fastball, but it's still good. I got to go that Fromber two seam sink whatever we're calling it. That thing is filthy. Well, last year you you might have been able to say Hunter Brown slider, right? See, I think his curveball has always been better than his slider. But baseball wasn't ready for that. The it was, fact that he had that combo platter and, and a 90 plus, 92, 93 plus slider. His slider was really hard. I thought his curveball was better. I thought it, was, it didn't have the velo, but I thought it was a better pitch. I thought it had more movement. I thought it was harder to hit. His slider sometimes is so hard, but he get a little flat. Uh, Dusty Mont Bellevue, over under on how many years do the Rockets or Texans overshadow the Astros as the best team in town? Oh, wow. Three. I'm going to go... See, I don't think this Astros. That's a good question. I don't think this Astros thing question. is dying. You still have Fromber for a while. Your starting rotation. You still have a lot of arms in the starting. Right. Ro- you still have a lot of arms in the starting rotation. Yeah, I do. Um, that are under club control for a while. Jordan's under control for a while. Yiner's under control for a while. Chaz Tucker. You got to figure him out in two years. I don't think Altuve's going to go anywhere. Like you've kind of reloaded. Like this team right now has a lot of veterans. 
but it also has some young foundational pieces. Jeremy oh. Pena, young foundational piece. Yiner Diaz, young foundational piece. Jordan Alvarez, yeah, that's what I said. Jordan Alvarez, young foundational piece. Chaz McCormick, young foundational piece. Uh, and then you go over to the pitching staff. You, know, you got to figure out Fromber what you're going to do there. Javier is locked up, which doesn't seem great right now. But Hunter Brown does, so it doesn't seem great right now. He's young. J.P. France is young. Luis Garcia still has years of club control. The bullpen with a Abreu, like he's going to be your closer whenever Presley ultimately leaves. I still think that this team has a really good foundation. I'm going to go see if the Rockets get really good. I'm going to go five years. Now, was it when they're – in the conversation or when they... Nope. It's whenever they overshadow the Ashes of the best team in okay, town. Okay, I'm just looking for which how, how they phrased it. Yeah, maybe three was... Like, I think three, three and you're going to have those teams taking a leap uh, or a step up or two steps up to make you take notice of them, but I don't think they're going to overlook the Astros. Key from L.A. What do you want to say to that, Joe? I think four years. Okay. Split the difference. Okay, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Key from LA. One's got to go. Burgers, chicken, or pork? Well, it's a good one. Is it? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's easy for me. Pork. You don't like bacon? No, I, I don't eat bacon very often though. <laughs> Burgers are great. You don't like you don't great. like you don't like ribs? I, I just I haven't. That's had, why it's a I hard one. Had them in a long time. It's not hard for me. It's, it's a hard one. I'm gonna I'm gonna say pork too, but it is difficult because I, I love like bacon. I, I love ribs, but I, cheeseburgers. I love cheeseburgers. I love chicken wings. Yeah. Like those are just upper echelon for me. Love pork, but if I had to get rid of one, I'm also getting rid of pork. I feel like I'm disqualified from this. So Why? I don't eat pork anymore. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Not a lot too. So we My all house. said pork. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Out to the HRP listener line. Travis, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Travis? Hey, gentlemen. Hope y'all had a great weekend. Thanks. Um, man, I'm just wanting to comment on you guys will really take a sack of game, 17 sacks of the season, whether other than points. Because last time checked, 17 sacks, that don't mean anything if you're not scoring points. Appreciate the I mean, call, Travis. Rather... I don't know. That's not really a mailbag Monday question. He's falling up to what you guys No, he was arguing. He wasn't no. asking a question, though. Um, 17 sacks is like a league leader every single year. Like, every I mean, single year. Do it, Like, Marvin Harrison. We don't know what Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be. Like, I think I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be great. I think he's going to be outstanding. But if I can guarantee 17 sacks in an NFL season, I'm going to take that over a rookie wide receiver. Well, look, I, I think that's it. It's, you don't know what you don't know. You know if he's getting 17 sacks that he can play in this league, that he's going to be up there with... The, the Watts of the world when, when they're in the conversation for MVPs and defensive players of the year when you're getting 17-plus. But you're you either that or take a flyer on a kid that no matter what his pedigree says and what he did in college, that he's got to do it on the next level where there's going to be better defensive backs playing him on a daily basis. I, I, I'd, I'd feel really confident that with what they're building offensively and, and with this team already, that if you had the domination on defense of one player that had to be schemed in the game plan for, I'd feel really good with having that as, as you know a mainstay on my team. Give me the bird in hand. Uh, Ocho, are you all ready to take me off Bad Take Boulevard for calling Hunter Brown the new Josh James? It's it's half a year. So, no? No, I'm not. <laughs> I, and I like Ocho. on. He, he's saltier on Bad Take Boulevard. Leave him there. Uh, zero six one. I'm with you on that one. Oh six one three. Having to choose. If you could pick only one chicken wing flavor to eat for life, which would it be? Yes, you can have your ranch or blue cheese to accompany, but you get one chicken wing flavor to eat for life. What is it? I love teriyaki. Uh, it's not chicken wings. Why? You go, you go ter- like you go to like pluckers, buffalo wild wings, any of them. You go yeah. teriyaki. 
No, but I love the taste of teriyaki, and if I could only have one, and I like teriyaki, right. teriyaki uh, uh, food too, so I'm going to go with teriyaki. Uh, can I? Do I have to choose like a? I think I, lemon pepper. I, Spicy lemon pepper is good, especially one from Pluckers. I, I love a, the lemon pepper. Uh, you know me; I'm a buffalo wing traditionalist. I am. I'm too. a traditionalist. It's got to. You got to have bones in there. Can't be boneless. It's not a wing. That's a nugget. Um, I got to go buffalo, but I love garlic. So give me a garlic buffalo hot. For the rest of my life, I will eat that nonstop. Yeah, I, I was, it's between buffalo and lemon pepper for me, but I just I love lemon pepper. Throw wings. a little lemon pepper into a garlic hot buffalo sauce. Not bad. That's a good idea. Never been a Not lemon bad. pepper guy. Really? Yeah. It's got to get spicy, though. You can't do yeah, regular I don't mind if there's a little spice to it and the, and the pepper, I, but I just the lemon to me just doesn't work on I don't. On I don't eat a buffalo wild wings anymore, but what, what would I, happen? I don't know. I moved to Houston and there's better places. See, I think Houston's actually a lousy buffalo wing place. Well, I, I think Pluckers is way better. Houston has amazing food. Houston might be one of the best food cities in the entire country. They don't do buffalo wings that well. I think that's fair. They really don't. I feel Not, like buffalo wings and pizza is the is like the could be better. Yeah, yeah, pizza for sure. For sure. Where are your favorite wings from? Uh, what's the place on Shepherd? Down on Shepherd. Oh, that, that's Pluckers? a Pluckers. That's a Pluckers. Yeah. yeah. I, I tried this new place. They called- have Pluckers everywhere, though. Um, eighty-seven wings. Oh, you did try it. I thought we were going to try that together. I tried it over the weekend. What'd I know think? where it used to be. It was awesome. Was it good? It was so good. They have so many wings, but it was overwhelming. They have eighty-seven. They wing have flavors. eighty-seven wing <laughs> That's flavors. Why it's called wing eighty-seven. T- when you're looking at the menu and you see eighty-seven choices, I felt overwhelmed. Yeah, like, I'm on, I, I just didn't know where to start. I'm going to try that soon. Nine one nine three. Would you rather have football season with no Texans or football season, but you can only watch Texans? Oh, no Texans. No Texans. Oh, I'll, I'll, no Bears. Okay. If I could watch all the other That's games, your favorite but favorite team on the planet, you'd say no Bears. Yeah, but look, what am I going to watch if I can't? Like, I can watch the rest of football. It's fine, and I'm not going to be a miserable human being. Well, but they got to be better at some point, maybe. Never. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with you guys as well. Nine eight zero six. How many first round draft picks would you give up for Micah Parsons? Right now? No. Yes. Okay. Right I don't know why you're getting salty all of a sudden. The second half of the show. Four. <laughs> I'm not getting salty. I'm, I'm gonna, being normal, old Brano. I'm gonna go. Just, you're sensitive I'm gonna go, now. The second you're gonna half go of the four, show. Four, Joe. I gotta go four. Three is the max He's I'm going. So I was good. thinking two or three. Oh man, picks are different in I mean, the NFL. If Will Anderson's worth two ish. Nah. Okay. Like. Deshaun Watson's worth three. Michael Parsons worth four. You're not giving four for anybody. I, I think I, I know. But I think so two is the right good. answer. <sighs> he's so good. Willie, I mean, Will Anderson did go for two, and not only did Will Anderson go for two, he went for twelve and potential top five pick. Yeah, that's probably the answer, though. That's probably the answer for Parsons. Well, Khalil Mack went for two. That's pr- two is probably at, the, the at answer. a point in his career when he was dominant, and he was like, but Micah Parsons is still like, and Khalil Mack was awesome when they made that trade. For two first, but like Micah Parsons is still way better, so it's probably three. I I, I would do three. I think three is too much. Yeah, I think two is the I, answer. I think I two. I but Dallas wouldn't do it. The, you would have to guarantee that they're both top ten. I think you, you'd have to like wait. There has to be one would have to be draft day. You have to have a top ten pick. I think they would. I think it would need to be two top ten picks. Like, I mean, I think the Will Anderson trade's kind of close. If Dallas was ever shopping Parsons, and they're not. All right, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Let's hand out some NFL game balls. Who deserves game balls for their performance yesterday? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. And remember this feeling. That wasn't perfect. We stick together. We are built for this, boys. We are built for this. 2-1-0 next. Let's go. 1-0-3. 1-2-3. Win! Nothing gets you fired up like Jared Goff 
After a victory, huh? That was Jared Goff. Who deserves game balls after week one of the NFL season? You got here, Blankers. I got two of them. Two of for all that he's I been think, I think you said two of them. No, I got two. I normally say I got two of them. But, I have to pick them. but uh, that's just me trying to think through the, the question. I think two you know, for all he's been through, for the fact that he contemplated retirement, for a fact that everybody doubted that kid and thought that his career could be over maybe before it even started then again after all the concussions, the fact that he came out and put up numbers like that and did what he did with all that weapons, all those weapons and that mad scientist of a head coach, that was an impressive week one. Yeah, he was um, he was unbelievable. Like, I, I'm kind of buying Tua, like, if I'm being completely honest yeah. with you, especially with that running game. Like, I thought that running game was going to be a little bit better. And maybe it was the Chargers defense. Maybe it was just game script. Maybe it was just the way that it all played out. Tua was fantastic throughout that whole thing. Yeah, I don't know that anybody saw that one coming to that level. Yeah, you know you got Hill, you, you got Waddle, you got guys that you can exploit and use. But a lot of it was that people thought he was just throwing it up for grabs and those guys were going to get it. But that was an impressive – got to see more. And I got, obviously he's got to stay healthy. See, I'm, but, see, I'm wow. more concerned about the health than I am, like, his slippage. Like, if he stays – if you tell me that he's healthy the entire year, playoff team. Playoff oh, team. No doubt. Like, no I don't doubt. even – I don't even – I'm not concerned of Tua's slippage. I think Tua's for real. I think Tua – and I, I've gone, I've come a long way on this. Cause I, you I, I used to have some – We did. And you were on the right side of this because I didn't think Tua was very good. Completely wrong. If Tua can stay on the field, Tua is for real. Tua is the truth. A lot of people are saying Tyreek Hill, too. Tyreek Hill had over 200 yards yeah, in that game. That Look. He was at the SC game the night before, too. I don't know quite how he? that happened. But, yeah, I mean, good on the team for allowing him to, to, to be kicking it the night that's before kind of a weird. game. Yeah, I thought, aren't there team meetings oh, or they, something? But they were they were at the Chargers, yeah, right? Yeah, okay, but that's still, I don't know that I'm letting him out of the hotel. Most teams I mean, are locked a, down at a, night getting ready for the game the next day. I mean, day. they have curfew, but they're grown men. No, they have meetings and they yeah, have, uh, but they have time that they have to be there. They have like a deadline time and then they have curfew. Depends on who you play for. A lot of the NFL teams basically locked you down with they meetings, lock down dinners, grown men. Not like literally locked down, but they have you, you go from a meeting to a dinner to a snack, right? To another, another meeting to a, a snack and they have times bedtime. they have to be there and they have curfews. Remember, I rode in an elevator with Joe Burrow on the night before the game that he was playing at home. Stephon Diggs was at the Giants game yesterday. Was he? Yeah, Jeff Stephon Diggs. Why are you annoyed? I just didn't know he was there. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Who are you giving game balls to after their week one performance? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. You know who I'm giving games ball to the elves. The elves in Cleveland. Jamar Chase called the Browns elves. And did you see what they did to the Cincinnati Ooh, Bengals? They dominated. held Cincinnati to three points. I hate to say this because the Texans have the Cleveland Browns first-round pick. And Deshaun Watson threw the worst interception in the entire league yesterday. That defense, guys, is the truth. That defense is legit. Did Clowney do anything? Because I know that – I mean, you well, he's know on the that, Ravens. I mean, I'm sorry. But uh, – I know Miles Garrett's going to Miles Garrett. He was awesome. Yeah, he was great. That he was doing is, crossovers. Man, he's snap. so disruptive. <laughs> Did you see that? It was like over the center. I mean, uh, it's funny because I think Vic Fangio's name has come up a couple times throughout the offseason talking about like how the Dolphins' defense should be improved. I think we probably ignored how good of a defensive coach Jim Schwartz is and what he did so, to the Browns' defense. But Deshaun Watson still sucks. That's the only thing. He looked – I know I know it that's was what raining. I was say too. And, but like Burrow – didn't play well either, but like Deshaun Watson is just 
They He's, don't need him to throw the ball, like, though. That's the dangerousness of the Cleveland Browns. That defense is going to potentially be top five defense, and they have Nick Chubb. Deshaun Watson has to throw it 15 times a game. Like, that That team is for real. That team is good. Like, Super Bowl contender, not going to go that far. In the playoff hunt, absolutely. That defense alone is going to have them in the playoff hunt. Three points against Cincinnati? Game balls for the Elves. I, I didn't mean Zadarius Smith because he played for the Packers, too, but I thought he would actually – do something to take a little of the heat off of Miles Garrett, but they're loaded up. Is it fair to say that they won despite of Deshaun? Because he didn't yeah. do anything to really hurt them, but he didn't do anything oh, really to couple, help them. He threw, well, he threw at least one interception. Like he was, Deshaun was not good. Deshaun no. Watson was not good in that game. But wisely, they ran the ball a lot. Nick Chubb, eighteen carries, but Jerome Ford. 15 carries. Like, they ran the ball. That's how they have to win games. Like, we heard rumors in the offseason that they're going to open it up and, like, let it... No! Deshaun Watson should throw it 20 times a game. Nick Chubb should run it 25 times a game. Jerome Ford should run it 10 times a game and win with running the ball in defense. And that defense is legit. Any other game balls, guys? Yeah, I'm going to give one to the two teams that everyone thought were tanking for Caleb Williams that won this weekend. Tampa Bay Buccaneers Mm, beating out Minnesota. Minnesota stinks. We lost that one. I guess I'm just going against our BZ money picks. Oh, no, we didn't do Rams-Seahawks, but I, you got to give credit to the Rams, too. I didn't see that one. I didn't see either one of them coming, but the one I really didn't think was good. The Rams, from Stafford's wife to Cup being you know dinged up and out, everything said the Rams just aren't, maybe even effort-wise, the Rams just don't ha- – they're not going to be there. Yeah. And then they go in and they beat Seattle. Yeah, I mean, you have two receivers with 119 receiving yards, 2-2 Atwell and – uh, yeah, say his name. Puka Nakua. I think that's how you say it. Good I think boy. I actually got that right. I have no idea. And I mean, like, even like Kyron Williams and Cam Akers, like two running backs, both had solid days. Mm. Like, they weren't great. Mm. Akers like, was bad. I, I thought Kyron Williams definitely was the better running back. Yeah, they gave him the sure. ball on the goal line twice. He had a, uh, the running game wasn't great for the Rams. And Key from L.A. saying give a game ball to Matthew Stafford. He's a homer. That was an impressive win for the Rams. You go into Seattle, a playoff team from a year ago. That was really impressive. In Seattle, which is a tough place to play. Yeah, that was that was. I was impressed by that victory. One of the more. I mean, there was a lot of impressive wins yesterday. That one's up there. Yeah, and then uh, obviously the Cowboys. I I mean, their offense didn't score until they had twenty six points in the game. Like I that, wonder. I don't want to say fools go. That was just a quirky game because yeah. the, the the two defensive scores just kind of let the deflated at bo- you know everything for the rest of that game. I really, I'm really curious how that game goes if the Giants make the field goal on the opening kick. Yeah, it does. They get blocked, had yeah. success driving down the field. Like that was a successful drive. It stalled out. You settle for the field goal. If that doesn't go the other way for a well, score, I wonder how that game turns out. And remember, I, the Cowboys yeah, still win, but it's much more competitive game. They would have had confidence. And, and that it's it didn't it's one thing to say it stalled out, but then your rookie center threw a ground ball to your quarterback in the shotgun formation. Otherwise, I think the field goal probably would have been easier if they didn't get the first down there. You're, I, I think I'm not so sure that the Cowboys would have won, but it definitely would have been a, a different different uh, different ball game. Game ball to Jalen Carter, maybe the most impressive game by a rookie defensive player. 34 re- or, uh, pass rushing snaps yesterday. He had eight total pressures, most in the NFL. Seven hurries, most in the NFL. Had a sack, and if you're into the uh, next-gen stats, 25% pass rush win rate, which was the fifth highest in the NFL. He did this as a defensive tackle. More total pressures than anybody in the NFL as a defensive tackle. The most hurries by anybody in the NFL as a defensive tackle. Jalen Carter is a stud. There's Will Anderson's competition that we even said before the season. And then to that, that, that pass win rate that I think uh, Anderson was a, a fourth. 
and and Carter was fifth. Mm-hmm. So you're right. The fact that he's doing it in, inside, that's crazy for a guy to be that dominant and and that disruptive inside like that. Man, Philadelphia played that beautifully, and they surrounded him with all those you know big brothers and guys from Georgia. It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. But that man, what a pickup for them! I'll tell you what, though. Tell me what. I'll give you credit to the Patriots. Like to get Dom that big, they played really well. Mac I Jones had a great day. Like I, I thought that was actually the best of a really good game for the Patriots. Where even though they got like if they didn't get down big early, yeah, it's a different game. Like that was impressive for the Patriots to come back and only lose that game by five points. I'm curious what they're going to look like going forward because it's not what I expected. Yeah, I'll be, but the, the, they fell behind in that game, made them look a little bit differently offensively. Yeah. Like if they're up three, I think they look much differently. I think they run the ball a lot more. I, think, I mean, the Eagles too are going to take you out of what you do. You, you you have the dudes that they have in the middle. Like it's hard to run the ball against that true. front four, really hard. But no, I don't think any one of the three of us thought. Well, New England would have the ball in their hands with a chance to to win the game and have a bang bang play on the sideline be the difference. I, I thought that game would have been over to start the fourth quarter. Especially when it started 16 to nothing. Roquan Smith gets a game ball for me. 16 tackles Ooh. against the Texans yesterday. The one that got away. The one that got away. Bears traded him to the Ravens. Joe, y- you regret that? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, he's good. I thought he was the best football player on the field. I mean, but not just him. Queen, Queen too. Queen, yeah. Like, Queen was all over the Number place. one target for the Texans this offseason besides T. Higgins. I love Patrick Queen. He's a good he's, player. He's like that linebacker not core. Let him get away. He was on so the scary. He was together. on the LSU Tigers in nineteen yeah, too. Like that team was the, so nasty. Those two together is a deadly combo. All right, they get the game balls. We'll see who gets game balls next week, week two of the NFL season. Get your scorecards out. It's time to grade C.J. Stroud's first game. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two